Welcome to the Video Tourism Podcast, I'm Koji Benton Williams. The Video Tourism Podcast is dedicated to Africa's travel and tourism industry, where leaders from the private and public sectors get to talk to us. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is our final podcast for the year 2023 and number 215. This special state of tourism review will bring you a roundup of how tourism fared and our projections of the sector in 2024. We listen to your feedback and have introduced this new format which will be a regular feature once every month to help you and in particular the travel trade be abreast with the changes in the industry expected to shape the sector going forward in 2024. To help me run commentary on these issues, it's four distinguished media personalities versed in tourism and its related sectors. I have Liberwood Lily Gilmer, an award-winning Ethiopian-American travel journalist and founder of TourismLens.com, a platform dedicated to equitable and sustainable tourism. She is currently a full-time travel reporter at Bloomberg News. Naledi K. Kabo, CEO of African Tourism Association, she is a global strategy leader with 25-plus years experience across operations, marketing and technology. Naledi currently served as CEO of ATA, a global trade association promoting travel and tourism to Africa and strengthening intra-Africa partnerships. Kinsley D. Orenta is the Assistant General Manager Operations at Channels TV, Lagos, Nigeria, with the sole responsibility of driving strategy, innovation, partnership, corporate communications and training. He has a robust career in communications spanning over 20 years in a variety of functional and managerial roles. Last but not the least, Obina Emelike is an award-winning journalist with 12 years experience. He majors in travel, tourism and hospitality, which he reports with passion. He has a travel and tourism desk of Business Day, Nigeria's foremost financial publication. With this introduction, let me start off with, with you, Naledi. What's your assessment of tourism in Africa this year? Well, I think, and I, and I think the numbers tell the story, even if you look at specific destinations, we saw a very strong recovery in actual travel, in interest. Um, you saw it in real travel numbers, meetings are back, in-person meetings are back. And as an organization, we saw increased interest from direct inquiries from travelers, as well as for operators and travel advisors looking to get information about even I would say emerging destinations or destinations that weren't top of mind across the continent. So I think the key thing that I'm looking for in 2024 is can we maintain the momentum? And I'd also be curious to see if as a region, you know, we're sort of at the top of the recovery chain when you look at the global numbers, but have we actually increased our standing? I think if you look at the percentage of international travel, Africa has been somewhere between three to 5%, you know, pre-COVID for many years. So I wanna see if there's an increase there and if we maintain the momentum going forward, because I think everyone benefited from so-called revenge travel. So I think the challenge now is to maintain and increase that momentum moving into 2024. Okay, so uh, Lily, well, what's what's your what's your um, I mean, what's your take on tourism? I mean, uh, general take on uh, uh, tourism for 2023, uh, predominantly you know in Africa. But I mean, you can give a, a general overview from uh, where you sit as a very uh, distinguished uh, uh, writer, and you've been covering 
and tourism in North America and you know Africa as well. The outlook for this year in Africa in Africa tourism? No, I mean overall. Yes. So overall, I think this year has been um, what everyone expected, which is sort of, you know, a huge rebound in tourism. I think what we didn't expect probably were the two, you know, regional conflicts, um, particularly the last one in the Middle East. The Middle East have been doing really uh, quite well until uh, the Israel-Hamas war broke out. Um, but I think generally the intent to travel um, has not waned um, from what we're seeing. And um, I mean, from the American perspective, especially, I think just as of this month, about 91, over 90% of Americans uh, are intent on traveling uh, in the next six months, which I think is, is quite telling. So I, I don't think the desire to travel has has um, waned. I think it's going to continue. I think that's what we've seen this year. We've seen a lot of um, solo travel combined with multi-generational family trips that are taking place to far-flung places that weren't accessible in the last you know, two years. Um, so I think it's, I think it's promising. I, I could say probably a lot more about how it's also hasn't changed much in, in terms of the offerings. <laughs> No, um, no, I think I think we we will come to that. Then I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> okay. I mean, you are you are on point. But, uh, but, but no, no, finish, please. Yeah, but but just the last thing is is also a huge uh, a huge uh, interest in premium travel. I think, um, and not just in the hotels, but also just just traveling comfortably, being willing to pay more for you know those those comfy uh, economy plus or premium you know business class seats. Um, is a trend that that we saw this year, and, and I'm not sure that will continue, but that's that's how we've seen travel this year. Okay, ah, great. I mean, uh, on on that point, in as well, I I've, I've seen that there, you know there are a number of airlines who are now introducing premium economy and making it a bit more you know comfortable for uh, you know travelers. But uh, on the point around uh, the, the 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 you know the interest for uh, travel, the, the last barometer of a UNWTO obviously uh, put it at ninety percent recover with recovered tourism ninety percent pre uh, you know pandemic. Uh, Kinsley, uh, we were in uh, Victoria to I mean I mean Victoria Falls uh, together. From what you saw with the member states and destinations. Uh, do you think that you know people's mind or people's approach to tourism is kind of changing? Thank you very much, um, Kojo. Um, I, I think that um, 2023 for me has been uh, quite a remarkable year, um, particularly because um, of the opportunity to travel and then mix up with other media practitioners, um, travel journalists, and and so on. So my my experience in Victoria was was quite fascinating uh, because um, you could see uh, media practitioners, um, tourism operators from almost all parts of Africa coming together in 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 Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe to try and understand how we can work together uh, in partnership to try and create more visibility around um, the tourism industry in Africa. So it was, it was for me, um, a great eye-opener. And you could see the enthusiasm um, and the, the, uh, the 
the fascination that was brought um, on the on that event, um, people coming and talking about what they've been doing. But of particular interest for me was um, uh, the interest shown in how we can sustain tourism, make it a sustainable industry and build people around it. Because at the end of the day, um, tourism is all, is all about people from those who travel, from those who provide services, um, and even from uh, the communities around um, the travel sites or individuals, citizens of the country. So it's, it's a people-oriented industry. And I saw a lot of interest and fascination uh, in the faces of people. And Kojo, you will remember uh, when um, we, we divided people in groups, participants in groups, um, the kind of interest they showed in pitching their stories you know, and how to relate with the media. And so for me, it was it was a great event. And um, it looks like um, the tourism industry in Africa um, um, would, would grow bigger and bigger. But my take also is that the media, the media has to, uh, has to be brought in properly. And um, the operators must also understand how to pitch their stories, uh, you know, to the media so that the interest will be generated and stories are told more. Um, and of course, that would elicit a lot of interest um, from, um, from international travelers, even Africans themselves. Because you would understand that um, um, many Africans don't even know the other uh, potentials, the tourism potentials in other African countries. So and for me, that's an opportunity that um, should be explored going forward. But I think we we made a dent on creating that buzz and interest um, to want to expand the tourism industry in Africa. No, I, I mean, I, I, I agree 100 percent with you, but also the issue around, uh, you know, whether who should create that interest and all of that. It's being a, uh, <laughs> a big question you know, on the table around whether media personality, I mean, uh, the media themselves ought to you know, have an interest in. Uh, in tourism, or there ought to be something like a tripartite that kind of bring uh, all the partners uh, together. Obina, can you hear us? Hello, Obina, can you hear us? Hello, Obina, can you hear us? I can, yeah, I can. I can okay. hear you, yeah. So, yes, so we, we, yeah, know, we saw what you. happened, the, the unfortunate situation in uh, Morocco, all right? Uh, I mean, the earthquake, and as Lily also mentioned, you know, Israel, uh, uh, you know, Gaza is not in Africa, but you also know that if you look at the source market, you know, et cetera, it has you know, a ripple effect on our industry, not just from the source market, but, you know, the, uh, the geopolitics of it. How, uh, how do you see, for someone who you know, covers the industry a lot on the ground, do you think that we are overemphasizing on NAMES? And not just the quality. Come again with the question. You do I think no. you what? No, I was asking you that. If if you look at the report that's yeah. been coming in, we've been talking about the numbers, numbers, numbers. And I'm asking you that is it over yeah. you know emphasis on numbers, or we have to drill beyond the numbers in terms of the recovery? Okay, I, I think I think um uh, what the numbers does is um, giving um, planners um, 
government stakeholders and uh, and uh, and uh, people who take a kind of policy and decisions to policy and decision makers I kind of agree on how to go ahead with the planning and probably to also have probable future occurrences or something but I think beyond the numbers we should also emphasize on the other side of it because sometimes numbers scares people away scare stories away if you keep reading the numbers for instance what is happening in Israel you keep talking about the death toll okay talking about uh, the toll earthquake you keep talking about you know the negatives at the end of the day it has a way of discouraging people from you know moving from enjoying from a kind of releasing themselves to what tourism can offer i think in as much as we talk about numbers we should also talk about numbers in the positive sense not always in the negative we can undermine the negative and talk more about the positive so many things have happened in the world negatively but a lot has also happened positively you understand I, for instance now in africa if you're talking about what the one of the good things that has happened in africa is the UNWTO coming in to have a regional office in africa in morocco that's a good one earthquake now happens somewhere but i think that's also a good one to emphasize if you talk about africa the, the visa free africa that is happening with uganda and uh, rwanda leading and um, uh, kenya joining and the uh, other african countries coming up the one between uh, south africa and uh, and uh, and, uh, and ghana these are all commendable so these are also data on number which also highlight more than the negatives no absolutely and i you know i i agree with you that's why yeah. uh, i make the point that um, in, in spite of the you know fatalities that we saw in the morocco or in marrakesh they've uh, already yeah. surpassed uh, all time uh, in a record for the year so i think there's uh, you know there's some silver lining uh, uh, you know in that uh, lily uh, you know i i i believe you read uh, the the announcement by the kenyan president with you know uh, opening up the country to essentially everyone okay and yeah. post market what what has been the feedback and what's your impression in around that you, i mean you've seen kenya you've seen uh, rwanda there's some form of um what you call it, uh, you know, bilateral between Ghana and 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 South Africa. There's South Africa. Sure. Yeah. Um. But, but first, before I get to that, I just I just want to, um, you know, piggyback on on what Alina was saying about the the news and and the negativity. And I, and I think that's a really good point. Um. You know, and I think of South Africa, for example, for me, from where I I sit here, um, and I see the coverage of of South Africa tourism. It's kind of like you know. Part of it is a, a rebound, you know, doing well. Then part of it is the crime issue. And that is something that significantly deters travel, you know. Um, am I going to, I going to choose to go to a destination where I know tourists are being targeted or am I going to go to the neighbor where, where there's no such news, you know. So I think that's, you know, that's a good a good thing to debate. But coming back to your, to your point about the visa opening and the, you know, ease of mobility. I think it's really exciting and it's very encouraging. Um, I would have loved to see that when I was <laughs> growing up in in Ivory Coast, um, to be able to to move around the region. I think that's going to stimulate more regional travel, um, which is what we need on the African continent. In my opinion, we need we need um, you know more of us to see our own backyards. Uh, when I was in Rwanda. Um, I really was encouraged to speak to a few people there who were there during the, um, the NBA Africa, Basketball Africa League finals. And uh, there were quite a few people who had flown in, you know, from Kenya, from other countries, South Africa, and, and they weren't there specifically, you know, or, or rather they weren't there for work. They were 
they chose to go there, you know, to attend the final, the NBA, et cetera. So I think that's, that's really exciting. Um, we'll see if that translates on the ground into meaningful experiences and, and ease of movement in terms of entry. You know, sometimes they say, they're open and then it's a different experience when you get there. But um, I think it's encouraging. Um, and I think it's it's a long time coming and we need to see more of these countries opening their borders no, to but, Africa. You know, but for your own experience, you know, coming to uh, Rwanda after what, 24, 48 uh, months, uh what yeah. were your 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 top you know uh highlight of that in the trip? Uh, well okay um on the one hand i think it was it was really great to see Rhonda after having heard so much about it um and we you know the itinerary was i would say half of the itinerary was great because the fact that we were able to attend some of the games in kigali um gave us a bit of a of a a taste for the city and the capital, you know, and sort of the, the culture aspect of, of the country. Um, and then when we went outside, you know, we had, well, we went to Akajera National Park and a couple of the national parks, which was great, you know, going on safari. I didn't even know you could, you know, go see the big five in, in, in tiny Rwanda. You know? um, so that was good. But, uh, but again, going back to what Kingsley said earlier, I completely identify with that. It's that, you know, um, the, press trip, the press trip model is broken, in my opinion. Um, you know, if you take me to Rwanda, there's, there's obviously a lot to do, but I don't need to do it all in one week. You know, I would rather have a really strong angle that would allow me to tell a story that's meaningful and that would, you know, encourage people to come visit as opposed to just taking me on a, a side inspection of hotels. You know, so so the last two, three days, we were literally going around Lake Kivu from one end of Lake Kivu to another. Uh, and where the most memorable experience was being in the car, you know, seeing a view <laughs> from the car and then getting to one hotel, having lunch and then running off again to the next end of Lake Kivu. I mean, that's what most of the journalists were. You know, when, you, when you have a group of journalists that start talking about this, it's it's not a good look. Um, but the rest of the trip was was quite good. I just wish tourism boards would understand that we're what a story really is from from major public. You're trying to get to major publications. Um, it's not about site inspection. It's not about a hotel. It's it's about staying in one place and truly immersing. You know the one hotel in Lakeibu, great. Show me what I can do around there. Show me the community around there. Show me how you're involved with the community around there. You know. Um, and why people should come here. It, it's, again, it's kind of, there's a lack of understanding or perhaps who knows, right? We all know that tourism boards are very political. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, but, that's, that's. But for a journalist, to, for journalists to take the time because it takes time, right? For someone to come from North America, go on a press trip to, to an African destination takes time. Um, and so it has to be really well spent for those rich stories to come out. And it's not going to happen if you're taking me to 20 places in one week. Maybe, I guess, uh, you know, the challenge also is around uh, mixing the travel trade uh, with, you know, uh, you know, travel journalists, because then when they bring these bias, uh, as we call them, in, yeah. then they ought to inspect some 
uh, Absolutely. Uh, number of units and all of that, and you have different uh, motivations or you know the angle that you want to you know report uh, about. So sure. going forward, and that's the point, right? That's exactly what they want, and who is the profile of the that's people? That's exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, let us look at you know some of the events you know that happened. Um, one was in Rwanda, obviously around um, the WTTC events. And then you also uh, look at a new wave where a lot of the destinations are looking to diversify and it takes me to straight to sports tourism. Uh, do you think that in 2024, we're going to see a lot of that or just announcements? Um, I, I, let me say that I hope we see a lot of more active engagement. I think that there is a better understanding or appreciation for the intersection between sports and tourism. Globally, um, that sector within the tourism industry was the fastest growing sector pre-COVID. I think we'll continue to see that. Um, I think for Africa specifically, as we look to the Cup of Nations, um, I, I think we probably could have done a better job in terms of positioning that as a tourism event. But I think as we move forward and looking at that realization, I think we'll see more collaboration between the sports operations and the tourism operations of it all. Um, for example, if you take a look at the Basketball Africa League, they're even expanding their footprint. You know, up until now, um, they've been in Senegal, in Egypt with the finals taking place in Rwanda. And next year they're adding South Africa and we'll be opening the season in South Africa. So I think as you see the expansion, there's a there's an increased interest in basketball. You see the National Football League, you know, American Football League making their presence known on the continent and even in having conversations with some of their representatives, I think that there is um, an intentional desire um, to look at the intersection of tourism. Because I mean, if you just are bringing eyeballs or bringing fans to the sport, that's going to have an effect on retail, on spending, you know, on restaurants, on even the small and medium enterprises. And I think everyone has an appreciation for that. There just needs to be a more strategic and directed approach um, so that we can really see both sides, both the sports side and the tourism side benefit from all of the activations taking place on the continent. And I also think it's a numbers game. You know, our region ha has amongst the biggest population in the world. So as you see sports entities wanting to do business on the continent, they're also looking to draw from the continent's population. So I think we just need to look internally as how are we going to make that easier, whether it's around visa, whether it's around connectivity and all of those factors that come into play. Okay. Uh, uh, so, sorry. No, go for it. Right. I, yeah, I wanted to say, yeah, I wanted to say something. I, I wanted to say that really, I agree um, that it's very important to have a pitch, um, taking journalists and then running them through the country and everybody goes, um, doesn't really um, give them the opportunity to tell the story. One of the, one of the most interesting um, points I observed in um, in Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe was um, the the story about um, um, a young boy um, who lives around Victoria who is a boxer uh, and then um, how the tourism industry you know has been able to help him and uh, people who go to visit uh, Victoria Falls would like to see how he's been impacted and then and 
And this was shown in such a way that uh, it's not all about hotels. It's about the impact and the community, as was mentioned um, earlier on. Um, and that's very important uh, because human yeah. angle stories, human angle stories, everyone is interested in that. And if you merge it with um, tourism and then and its impact, you can imagine the kind of interest that's going to elicit. Um, another thing for me is the difficulty in travels. And maybe I'm sure we would speak about this um, because it's very important that people travel with ease in you know, such a way you don't have to spend so many hours um, flying and making connections. So whilst African countries are opening up examples of um, South Africa, Rwanda, and, um, and Ghana, for example, it's very important um, perhaps that we um, also look at how can the media, for example, um, throw such light on the difficulties of travels um, in the continent in order to ensure that um, the political leaders can look at this and then find a way to sort out that problem. I was to go to Zimbabwe. I had to fly to Ethiopia, you know, before going yeah. to, uh, yeah, it was, it was such a nightmare. But at the end of it all, um, it also opened my eyes to other African countries. I haven't been to Ethiopia. So there's always a catch-22. You know, yeah, but, but but Ethiopia or now now Elili is just going to take you there, you know, at some point. But Obina, you know, on the, on the point around uh, uh, you know the connectivity, and you've really covered a lot of airlines and uh, uh, national you know carriers around uh, you know whether they want to run an airline or they're going to give them the permits for fish freedom rights and etc. Going to twenty twenty four, are we supposed to be in the same situation, or who is being allowed to fly in and all of that? Okay, I, I think Afra did a good job in Uganda last time. So they met in Uganda. Um, part of the things they were discussing is um, to walk the talk because they've done a lot about talk and seminars about uh, connecting Africa, seamless Africa, and it's not working. And you know, this Yamasukro uh, Accord has not taken effect decades after it was in your so I think what they are doing now, uh, they are trying to be pragmatic. It's like um, visa reciprocity. If Kenya, for instance, is uh, reducing taxes on aviation for the for Nigerian airlines, so Nigeria will reciprocate by also doing same to Kenya. So somehow between the two countries, the flight you know fares and LFS will you know reduce. So now we are trying to see if at airline to airline level, if it can happen at country to country level, maybe one or two, three countries. By the time they start doing it, you understand, then it will not start easy because the thing is, if will have a cheaper fares in Africa. A lot of more people will fly. I'm a member of uh, Team Africa, and one of the things we are trying to promote in Team Africa is the fact that if 10% of Africans, you understand, travel within Africa, you understand, it's going to boom the economy. But the thing is, how are they going to go, go about it? How are they going to fly? Because there are no flights. We have fewer flights. So yeah. the thing I think what we we'll do is that in as much as we need infrastructure in the aviation sector, we need to also encourage investors to see reason to invest because the laws are not helping. The taxes are not helping. For instance, if you know the amount you pay as taxes and the amount that is airfare, the airfare itself is very very uh, negligible. Why the one on taxes are huge. So I think the thing is like, government to government, if it's not working, the airlines will also see what they can do between themselves to see if at the end of the day they're able to you know, you know, reduce it. Because if they're able to get cheaper flights, a lot more Africans will travel. Yeah. That connectivity will be easier. It will be okay. easier. 
So no, I think it's like we right. talking to ourselves. Mm-hmm. No, I mean yeah. perfect, but you know, the, the, I mean the other point that I I think perhaps the DMOs are not really looking, at, with the exception of some of them, uh, is the fact that uh, if you are a DMO, you're supposed to promote your destination, but you are not aware of the numbers or who is flying in or the mode of transport, then that's a problem. So if we if 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 uh, the tourism boards don't have the kind of not just understanding, but a working relationship with the with the airlines or the airport company, then that's a problem. Lily, don't you think so? Because then you don't know which career is bringing which passengers, and therefore they can be part of lobbying to have more uh, capacity on 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 uh, routes. Right, I agree. That I mean that's one of our major cha- one of the major challenges. I think Africa tourism. I mean. I was looking at destinations just the other day, even from North America, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's it's a headache. He's trying to get to Botswana or straight from Washington D.C. or you know, and and it's just, I don't know, I don't know when that will change. But I see I see regions such as Latin America doing much better, you know, and and becoming some of the top carriers in the world, you know, like Avianca and affordable fares non-stop routes from one destination to the other you know no connecting hubs um kind of the low-cost model but you know what what is it going to take for us to have something like that to go from rwanda to to addis i uh, had a friend telling me you know is is a lot of it's like so much money you know and it's they're practically you know very close so i just don't i, I don't see the visa lifting is great but i think the airfare is a block Okay, no, that's that's uh, you know um, you're right. Now uh, the next topic we're going to talk about is around uh, 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 you know uh, the diversification of our product. Do you think that there's overemphasis on safaris or just the classic uh, products and the experiences? Well, <laughs> you know, I wrote the story on that, right? <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, this this has been my pet peeve, you know, since 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 I was you know much younger, and I wasn't even a travel journalist at the time. But every time I would see a story on an African destination, uh, it was always about one of the safari destinations. It was always about safaris and animals, and um, and 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 you know, for me growing up, I in Ivory Coast, and then you know, having Ethiopian roots, it's kind of like that. That's not my story, you know. That's not my. I don't identify with that as an African. Um, it was more about culture and people. You know, our day to day is about people and. To see that lacking in Ethiopia, in uh, Africa, uh, travel stories for me is 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 tragic, you know. So um, when I went to Rwanda, for example, you know, we went to, went gorilla trekking, um, and then we, you know, all the things that that they advertise, you know, um, around animals, you know. And and at one point, I thought, you know, wow, I, I I've not interacted directly with. With, with regular Rwandans, you know, this is this is bizarre. So I, I found a uh, a community led uh, uh, enterprise that was actually founded by by a Rwandan entrepreneur uh, called Red Rocks, and um, I know you know them. And so I found them, and they were actually not that far from where we were. Lo- yeah, with Greg. Lodged. I mean, with Greg and the team. With Greg, yes. yes. And so I, I found them, and I I asked uh, you know a, a tourism board a representative who was with us, and he was very kind to to arrange that for me. And it really only took two hours of my time, and I had the most memorable experience in Rwanda there uh, with women who were teaching me how to make banana beer. 
uh, drumming, chanting, just spending an entire evening talking about, you know, our lives and how tourism helps them and, and all of this. And, and I thought, my goodness, I mean, there are thousands upon thousands of these stories around the continent, but yet they're neglected. They're neglected yeah. because we're pandering to to what we think, you know, white people want, which is animals, you know, and, and it's not true. It's not true. I think I think that today's traveler wants more than that. Can I just chip in? Yeah, no, can go, I just chip in? Go for it, yes. Right. Africa, unfortunately, is waiting for people to dictate what they want to see, and then we give that to them. But that's not our story. Africa is more than um, safari. Africa is all about rich culture. It's all about our rich rituals. It's all about marriage. It's all about gastronomy. It's all about our weather. It's it's all about our our ancients. It's all about everything. Yeah, this exactly. is the last. This is the last frontier of real or inspiring destination, and it's it's our story. But really, it's unfortunate that um, that has been the the story. Again, is the fact that we have failed or there is a challenge in real strategic marketing of the different aspects. So, I mean, okay. you are on the point on all, how all right. to, to market. Oh, yeah, 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 right. I was on the point of um, um, us not really marketing the other very fascinating um, aspects of the African yeah. continent and its people. I talked about gastronomy, talked about fashion, but I talked about our rituals, which are very interesting and special. Talked about marriage issues, ancient religion, initiations, even the beauty of polygamy, you know, um, seen from the African perspective. But it's, it's just the strategic marketing to sell these things to um, would-be uh, tourists and interested people, you know, to to know that it's not all about um safari it's all about the people the real people what will be your what will be your recommendations for 2024 from coming from nigeria which has you know rich tapestry of you know uh you know uh, cultural heritage what will be your uh, i mean the, the low-hanging fruits for the tourism board and all those associated with the you know with the industry briefly yeah good enough good enough we have a new minister of tourism and i hope i hope that um um the minister will go out of the normal government politicians way of doing things to understand, you know, the potentials um, and the special things that Nigeria has as a country, all the warm springs, all the um, uh, tourism areas and sports and milestones. Do you know that in Benin, that there is um, um, a wall that is akin to the the um the wall in china you know and all of that and it's not explored nobody has taken interest to go there and visit those places and there are so many of them of such um areas and getting the people involved getting the people involved will be very important for nigeria okay. another thing for me would be the um the media literacy and tourism you know, because these are the people who can throw such light on them. 
um, and then um, galvanizing trust and strategic marketing of those areas. Another thing for me would be you know, the, the, the traveling. Finish your point. No, just finish your point. I just want to. Yeah, yeah. I was I was talking about the the next thing would be um, the insecurity challenges. Yeah, uh, because no one would like to risk visiting places where you're not sure uh, you are secure. And then the airline industry. So there are quite a number of things that should be done. It has to be graded and taken one after the other. Number one for me will be solve this insecurity problem, right? And second, secondly. Um, the airline industry, and then the transport industry, and truly, truly develop the tourism industry. We all have the potentials in in, in Nigeria, but I'm not so sure that um, it's been it's been uh, driven real down with all the necessary infrastructure. It may not be all the infrastructure, but the most essential ones that will indeed attract attract people. That would okay. be what I will expect, you know, going forward. Okay. Now, uh, in terms of the source market, i.e. North America and, you know, the diaspora mm. market, uh, are we expected to see some surge or some rise in, you know, African countries beyond what we've been seeing in Ghana and some part of the countries? And exactly what are the targets that they should be looking to, to, to reach out to? If I have anything to do with it, the answer is yes. <laughs> because um, for, for me, that has always been a primary pillar for us in an area of opportunity. Um, First of all, even if you're just looking at the numbers, it's a $109 billion market for North America, and that's pre-COVID, I think, and I think that's actually an undervalue. And when you look at the diaspora market or the Black travel market in North America, I think it's important to understand that it's not a single market per se, or, or it's not a monolith, as they like to say. So within that market, you have adventure travelers, you have luxury travelers, you have solo travelers, you have nomad travelers. So you have to really look at the different audience segments within that group and speak to them in a way that makes sense. It's with anything else or strategic marketing, go to where they are, who are they listening to, make sure that we're providing platforms or opportunities for them to learn about the destinations, um, that we're engaging writers who, who have audiences that appeal. Because I think what happens sometimes is we'll focus on traditional trade magazines. Black travelers are not looking at the traditional trade magazines. So what, what, what outlets are they looking at? What content creators are they listening to? What platforms are they on? And making sure that as destinations, we're on that platform, making sure that our marketing materials and marketing messages speak to them. Because I think it's important that they feel welcome. They feel that they're welcome, that they're wanted, that we make it easy for them to discover destinations. And I think uh, that that's and, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, you know, traveled with you on, 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 on countless uh, occasions. We've interviewed many chefs. We've interviewed okay. Okay. Uh, You think that uh, the, the, the lack of stability in the national, uh, I mean, uh, at the tourism board level and the ministerial you know, level is contributing to some of the projects that you, I mean, you know, one is expected to see its progress. Well, well, I think it's, we don't need to ask or say because it's obvious. You know, in our <laughs> time, we you have a tourism minister change like a civic clothes or handkerchief. You understand? So if you have a tourism minister who, or a board who started something good, positive, then whoever is coming in probably will you know, go the other way. And whatever good policies there, that's the way they go down the drain. So I think what we should do is 
have been giving priority to tourism. And that priority is also to make sure that the appointment shouldn't be politically uh, kind of influenced. It should be more or less like uh, the technocrats, people who know what to do, who, who know what tourism is all about. Because if you are talking about tourism, giving us that income we need, that foreign exchange we need to like push the economy, I think we should give it the priority it requires. And technocrats are the ones who can handle and handle it well. Look at, for, in, for instance, South Africa, the politics of changing and changing, the politics of saying you are this, you are no longer that. I mean, it doesn't make sense, and it's affecting the country's uh, tourism. In Kenya, same, same thing in Kenya. Okay, in Nigeria, we have a, a tourism minister in Nigeria, good, but recently, what we've been hearing about her is like she's a little incapacitated, or she's recovering, or she's doing this, or she's doing that, and people are right. latching onto it. So it hasn't helped us. I think the thing should be, as in, it works on its own. It should be, it should, it should be a kind of a free a free agent in the sense that I mean anybody can handle it because the policies are laid down and you can't come and change it the other way. And if we see something that is positive, we should write right on it. Look at what Rwanda is doing. What Rwanda is doing is what is pushing Kenya to do you open up to all Africans by, by January by January. And other countries are trying latching on to it. Let me shock you. Time will come when it will be a shame on to South Africa and Nigeria if they don't give visa free to all Africans. When all that small Africa countries are doing it and it's like becoming that they must have to do it. Do you understand? So I think policy consistency is what we need. And we need people who are qualified. It shouldn't be tourism positions shouldn't be politicized in Africa. Yeah. It should be people who are qualified enough to handle it. Because when they are living, they will leave legacies that people behind them will follow. And when they follow, they will run through it easily and things will you know you know kind of fall in place. I think going forward in 2019, I guess like what they started in 2023. I think going forward in 2024, they should continue with what they started in 2023 by the appointment of women ministers. I think that consistency should be there because I think women are doing well. Then they should allow them walk across the president's term of office because that will encourage, you know, a kind of continuity in government. Not within two or three years, you have another set of uh, uh, ministers or no, uh, but, but board as members. We, as we speak now, there are three or four, five, if not five. Uh, CEOs and tourism boards or ministers who are changing, who change in the last two weeks or last one week. So this 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 new and again oh, wow. that <laughs> Lily. I'm now, sad. It's very sad. <laughs> That's even worse than the Caribbean. Yeah. Look, look, let me come to you on on uh, on the point around data, which I think is a is a big issue. Are you? Ex I mean, what would be your advice? You know, for the tourism boards, and again, I mean, for the ministries and and all. Uh, all the tourism players in the ecosystem around uh, data, not just data, but reliable data. And that would help us to be able to not just write the stories, but also make sense of exactly what their numbers are, because it's easy to just put something out there, but because we don't have an uh, alternative uh, 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 you know, data, so sometimes you are forced to go with it. What would be your take on that? And what do you expect them to 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 change from from the 2023 going to 2024 oh is that for me um yes lily that's for you Still for, for african tours i mean that's hard to say because i'm not really there all the time um but obviously if you, you can't you can't improve what you don't measure um and in terms of data, I mean, it, it just, there has to be a reliability behind the data that you produce. I mean, for, for the other destinations that I look at, you know, they, they, they partner with, with several um, third-party uh, consulting firms, you know, that 
I put the numbers out, but but it's it's not just about the numbers, right? Um, it's not just about the numbers, and and as a reporter, uh, I that's not the only thing I look at. You know, uh, you have to have a balanced view of of how tourism is doing in a destination, and arrival numbers are just not it. They're part of the story. But they're not the only part of the story and so how we balance that is we have to really you know dig and and that takes time and i and i do realize a lot of times that it takes even more time when i'm writing about you know <clears throat> tourism and african destinations i have to talk to several sources you know from the private sector from the public sector from you know um community leaders you know just to really know what the real picture is um, arrival numbers are not it. I mean, I'll give you an example of a country like the Dominican Republic that I know really well. And I mean, they're like soaring, right? If you just look at the numbers, they just hit a new record, I think, this month um, of six million. How many millions? I don't even know. So, you just, so you know, I don't pay attention. 10 million. 10 million. Yeah, right. Which yeah, is a, an all time uh, record. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, 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 it's admirable the way that they're tourism board has 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 partnered with the private sector and all of that but uh, but if i just fixate myself on that number i'm missing this the biggest story which is that economic uh economic growth in tourism numbers does not equal economic development it doesn't include equity it doesn't necessarily mean that the money is trickling to communities um you know and how much of that how much of that money that's coming in is staying in resorts that are foreign owned, you know, versus in the country. Um, just because you're building more infrastructure, it doesn't mean that um, you're lowering poverty levels either. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, I, I, I you know, I clearly, you know, understand where you're coming from. And uh, I'm probably going to off on a tangent, but the data is is a start. No, you're not off tangents. I think it's, it's, you know, it's like that because of the fact that, you know, I mean, you are going. Uh, uh, beyond the data to, to be able to understand exactly what it is. Yeah, because there is none, right? There's no data. Sorry, there's no data for for this for this for the social sustainability part of tourism. Yes. There is no data. Still. And that's that's kind of shocking given the climate that we live in now, you know. Yes, because that's that's again that's that's the, the challenge that I have with you know some of these uh, destinations because if you have for example an event and it's okay, it was successful, but what is the economic, you know, uh, uh, assessment mm -hmm. impact? And uh, who, who were the vendors? Yeah. And, you know, this kind of information allows you to be able to even measure, even if, i.e., it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a temporal uh, uh, economic uh, enhancement in itself. It's, it allows us to be able to go beyond and understand that, but the it's, that, that in a specific event or uh, things that they are doing. But how often... How often, I can tell you as a journalist, how often I've gone after numbers like that after an event and I want to know the significance of it, you know, and how far it's trickled down. And there's absolutely no one who can give me exact data, you know, and no one's no one's measuring it. And that to me is a red flag. Yeah, no, that's... that's yeah, yeah. I, I, I also think that um, perhaps one of the reasons um, that um, data is not available is lack of skill. You know, um, to to get maybe maybe skill right. and also, like, uh, I think uh, investment. Sorry, I just wanted to add this. Yeah, that's right. Skill and investment, um, because really you have to invest 
in technology, you have to invest in third-party uh, service produce, um, providers, you know, outsourcing and, and all of that to have this data, not just data, but useful data that you can actually depend on in doing your stories and also helping the, tour, tour, uh, the, the tourism operators to even plan and project, you see? Um, because for me, really, um, tourism is just flying up in the air if it doesn't affect the community, if it doesn't affect the people, if you don't have the number of people who yeah. have been pulled by the bootstrap or someone who, who had a small kiosk selling um, um, some gift items um, last year, but this year uh, he's moved up to you know a bigger shop um, because the patronage is good, because there is a marketing strategy, because there is visibility, and he can employ more than five people. You know, these are measurable yeah. things, tangible things you can see. Yes, but again, I mean, like we said, you have to be able to invest. And if you invest, then what it means is that you are, you know, you are building your your ability to even know exactly where your money is going and where uh, would help a destination and it's a whole uh, uh, chain, you know, uh, right. enjoy from uh, uh, from that. Obida, let me ask you also uh, around the infrastructure bit because Lily had mentioned the kind of tour uh, tourists, you know, uh, travelers that we're looking to get. Uh, into Africa, and that would also mean that we, we have to be mindful of the infrastructure that we have in place to be able to have the high-end uh, travelers who have the deep pockets to, to, to enhance in tourism in Africa. What, what, what's your take on that? Hello, Bina, can you unmute yourself? Okay, I said infrastructure is very key. You can't develop um, a, a destination without a national carrier or a strong airline. So, so if you talk about infrastructure, no, you can't no, go anywhere. No. Without, Sorry, without I, 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 I have to disagree a little bit around national airlines, which is good, but necessary. No, no, no. no, then, no, yeah. no where, where, where I'm trying to go, where I'm going to, is not actually necessary that... Maybe air access, be, but not... not yeah, not, yeah, air access. It, must, it, must, it mustn't be... Uh, when I mean national carrier, it mustn't be owned by, by the country itself. But it could operate with it, but as viable, you need a viable airline to, you know, a kind of, a, you know, run a, a destination. But now, you were in uh, Uzbekistan. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. You, you saw what they said about the venue and all the places to visit. Yes. They were just, you know, within a short period. And they targeted the international um, uh, kind of uh, um, uh, um, uh, tourists who were coming and the, and the executives who were coming. So, did they use the UNWT opportunity to showcase what they have? And you know, like word of mouth, people are going out there to say, this is what this is what we saw in Uzbekistan. I think infrastructure has a way of, you know, softening people to see reason to visit. It's like word of mouth. No one sees, he, will, he or she will talk to two, two, three, four, before you know what is happening, is happening. But you have to have it on ground for people to come. You can't be talking about your destination when you don't have what to hold people when they come. So it's very, very necessary. I was in Kenya, for magical Kenya, and they were talking okay. about the Amarim Park. So uh, they told us that more Ugandans visit Kenya than they visit other East African countries because of their national, the Marine Park. So the Kenyans, according to them, went to study a Marine Park in the U.S. and came back, replicated the same thing in, in Kenya, in uh, Mombasa and all those uh, Watamu and all those Malindi area. Beautiful. So I think the thing is, 
infrastructure is key. If you don't have it on ground, I don't think you should keep selling or talking about tourism. Look at what you got in Dubai did. They have it on ground and they are making noise about it. The, you get, the Dubai 2020 Expo that didn't hold, you know so much noise they made about it. It wasn't just the noise, but they had infrastructure to also match the noise they were making about the, the event. So I think infrastructure is key. If you don't have it, we shouldn't be thinking about, you know, you know, inviting the world. It's like saying you want to host the World Cup and you have, have they don't have stadium. So where are they going to be? Where are they going to be? You don't have hotels. So the no, thing is, no. like, it's key. Yes. Yeah. No, but, uh, you know, 2024, I mean, we're looking at, you know, some of the pipeline, uh, you know, projects. And uh, mm. the few that I know, you have uh, Radisson opening up in Gambia next year. In Nigeria, in Nigeria too. In Nigeria, uh, too. In Nigeria. Nigeria, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nigeria, I mean, any of you can in Abu, in Abuja, comment Abuja, around yeah. it. We have World of Astoria mm. opening in Seychelles in January 25th. Yeah. And this is a yeah. high-end, you know, uh, yeah. property. Mm. You have yeah. opening in Deb and an essay or something like that. What do you guys you have to say? Have, you also have the Four Seasons opening in Rabat. Yes, um, and I think in Cote d'Ivoire as well. It's a big deal. Right? Yeah. I think in Cote d'Ivoire, also opening in, uh, in Abidjan. Uh, four, four Seasons. Seasons. I don't know where they are now, but uh, I mean, initially, they, you know, they, they, they had anticipated opening next year. So I'm not uh, sure about that, but this, the one in Rabat is opening um this year in, in, in January or early in 2024 which is a, a really big okay. thing for morocco uh, hilton also coming up in ghana uh next year and then uh club met obviously in durban next year as well so looks as if there's quite interesting and positive things happening around the the, the pipeline and and uh the, the project that we are to see which would also boost uh you know bed capacity and then uh make some destinations very not just appealing, but you know, to be able to attract that kind of tourists that they're looking to, you know, to have. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the reason Morocco is is, is doing well despite a major you know earthquake. Um, the interest is is just you know it's just growing, and that's because again infrastructure and they have a lot of hotels that are, um, you know, a, a, a lot of luxury brands that are that are placing their bets there, like Fairmont for seasons, you know, and in different uh, coastal coastal cities. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it matters. No, it matters. Now, what also happened this year that we're looking at, I mean, we're looking at 2022, uh, 2024 with some optimism that it would take a different level is gastronomy. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want to take that point in Africa? <clears throat> any interest from any of you to talk about gastronomy how 2024 would 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 pan out in terms of our i would love to see more yeah, yeah okay. go ahead can i can i call me yes please go ahead okay i think i think the thing is um the i have a i do interface with a lot of general managers and uh, this year I've uh, kind of had interaction with over 10 of them. I think what they are saying now is that there's a shift. People, part of the experiences they want to see when they travel is also the food. You understand? So apart from the comfort in the hotel room, the resorts, and in all those uh, areas, the spa and all those stuff, people don't want to play with their stomach again. And what they're after is that quality, beyond quality. Some of the things they've not tried before, they want to try it, and it also has to be well prepared. Some are talking about, you know, making a kind of a um, kind of um, bringing a local flavor 
bringing international flavor to, to, to the local cuisines they have. So they are trying now to sell their local cuisine, you know, internationally. So okay. I think what is happening now is 2024, we're going to see more of creativity around food. And hoteliers and the, the kitchen areas are now trying, the, the chefs are now trying their hand on so many of us, some of all those stuff, trying to keep the guests in the hotel. Because okay. there are cases where you see guests will be in a hotel, but when they do, when they don't want to do the other one, they will go to across to the other hotel to do it. So most hotels now are trying to do a one-shop thing, bringing in whatever it is the guests want, part of which is food, good cuisine, quality food. Okay. And Okay. And uh, Lily, you wanted to touch on, on, on food as well. Don't you think uh, we could innovate more? Yeah, no, I completely agree with what uh, Albina was saying. Um, I think that that's definitely something that's growing, that we're seeing. Um, you know, hotels are becoming gastronomy centers, bringing in the top chefs, you know, uh, around the world, but they're also infusing local uh, cuisine. And so I, I do think that, the, that, that travelers have become more discerning. Um, I know that at Bloomberg, at least our food stories are just, you know, the, the, the viewer, the viewers that read our food stories is just a huge number. Like people are just fascinated with food um, and they will travel for food. So I was recently, uh, for example, in, in Panama City, and I had no idea that the food scene was, was uh, quite strong, you know, quite developed um, and one of the restaurants there is in the top, uh, I think like top hundred restaurants in the world. Um, and that's something that's putting them on the map, you know, and, sep and distinguishing them from say, I don't know, neighboring Costa Rica or, you know, other uh, countries that have been their competitors for a long time and people just pass through Panama and kind of ignore it, but the food is helping them now, you know, kind of, um, adding to their brand and people are recognizing them more and more for that because it's kind of a mix of Caribbean, Latin. It's just this incredible fusion and you don't know it unless, you know, you hear about it. People don't know what they don't know. Right. So um, I think that that's definitely a big, big, big plus for African destinations. They push on gastronomy. Kinsley. Uh, are you are you are you looking to introduce some shows around African gastronomy tourism on channels TV? Hi Kinsley, if you can unmute yourself. My apologies. Yeah, um, I was saying that I, I was saying that you took it off my mouth um, okay. uh, because much as um, we have an array of. Um, of cuisines, um, not so many people know about that, right? Um, yeah. And so one of the things we're looking at um, in our travel uh, travel shows is to explore, explore uh, particularly the unique um, um, cuisine. We have over 500 ethnic groups, you know, um, in, in Nigeria, and they all come with their unique cuisine which could indeed be improved upon and um, and um, you know adopted and uh, adapted by you know by big hotels in in, in the country um, because everybody wants to try new things and I think people are becoming more adventurous and um, just as they travel they would like to try new things uh, if I travel to any new destination any new country I always would like to eat their native 
native delicacy because that way I not only have connected with um, what I see in terms of hotels, but I'm also connected with their culture and cuisine. And as they say, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, you know, it's through his tummy. And um, and I think, yeah, that is one thing we, we will okay. be looking at, uh, in, including in our travel shows. Um, okay, no, that's, 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 that's really uh, it's something that would help in promoting, uh, you know, gastronomy tourism in Africa and, you know, channels, uh, has a huge platform uh, in Africa and, uh, you know, uh, beyond. So uh, let's get into the areas of where where's your top five destinations in Africa you're looking to visit? Uh, let me start off with Obina. Are you there? If you are there, get us started with your top five destinations for next 2024. Okay. I, I, I the, the list, um, well, my, my favorite is um, still Kenya. Okay. Kenya. Kenya because uh, Kenya has both the wide as in wildlife and also the, the, the beaches and the water, especially the with the water. Okay, let's go Kenya. And second? Yeah. Then, second then again, Seychelles is Seychelles, Seychelles, uh, stands out because the, the ocean, Indian Ocean country is, uh, I mean, something else. So it's, it's beautiful. You are just there on your own and uh, it's like you are left with nature. So do whatever it is you want to do. Nature will not report it to anybody. It's a good place to also be. Then again, if I'm to go, I was in Namibia, and I what I saw in Namibia for the first time, I didn't know there's an African country that's as beautiful as that. I used to love Cape Town, but we're hawking in Namibia was something else. And uh, the, the the big city that's by the also I also I was also at the what do you call it the desert. So Namibia has both the city, the beach. And the desert offering all you know in, in one one one, okay. one space. I, I think Namibia is, is there for me. Then again, I will say because I'm not I'm not saying coming home, but in Africa in East West Africa, King um, uh, used to be Gambia, but Gambia for me is still the West African place to visit in the sense that okay. you know it still maintains this the natural beauty. No matter what people say about it, it still maintains for me is a place and, to visit and, in, and your last country. in West Africa. Go for it. You know, what? My final country is Morocco, Marrakesh, Morocco. Morocco is there. It's, it's Morocco. Okay. Marrakesh, right. especially Marrakesh in Morocco. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, Lily, I'm off to you now. My What's gosh, that? where do I even start? You know? Um, yeah, I agree that Morocco is, is amazing. I would go back there anytime. Um, Namibia is another one of mine as well that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm dying to see their sand dunes. Yeah. Um, uh, Namibia, uh, I think of Botswana as well, um, and uh, I really want to see Victoria Falls, you know, at least okay. once in my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, yeah, I have not yet. Um, I think those would be my top ones, and and um, probably not this year, maybe next. I'm thinking probably Cote d'Ivoire and go back to, yeah, to my old, have a, my old stomping ground. I haven't been back since I left, so yeah. Okay. Perfect. Hinsley, what, what's your top five? Oh, oh, my top five. I like to go to Seychelles. Okay. Um, right. I happen to come from the Delta part of Nigeria, um, okay. but I like to see what happens in the other kind of Delta part of Africa um, and see what I can actually bring to my own Delta area. Uh, I like to visit Botswana. I've heard so much about Botswana, you know, how beautiful it is. 
is um, I like to explore that. I like to go to Egypt. Okay. I haven't been uh, to the pyramid. Yeah, and it will be a journey of a lifetime mm -hmm. for me. I, I, yeah, I like to visit, um, I like to be in Egypt. Another one will be a tiny country called Sierra Leone mm -hmm. um, in West okay. Africa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it's a tiny country, but I like to visit there to look at the people and the real life because it looks like there are a lot of stories to, to tell there. And then finally, finally would be Goriand. I like to go to Senegal and I then do. and then okay. visit Gori Island um, okay. for the second time. The last time I went there was in 1990, uh, 1982, right? So I like to see how, yeah. yeah. Right, so those are my five um, picks. Okay, yeah. perfect. I mean, we are about you know, running up here. Oh, Joe. Yes. Oh, Joe, we know you've been everywhere, but where would you go back? <laughs> you want to put me on the spot? <laughs> I want to put me on the spot now. Where I want to go back? Okay, so 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 so, uh, can we take a minute each of from 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 you around the uh, hopefully the next uh, I mean the regional office for Africa of UNWTO? What do you think uh, it can help in in uh, in Africa's quest to grow numbers but develop tourism. Lily, let me start off from you. Oh, for me, uh, I think I think it's probably better uh, directed to things <laughs> okay. later too. Okay. Okay. So, what's 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 your take yeah. on the office? I mean, on, on the UNWTO honestly, uh, my office for Africa. Uh, in one minute. Oh, Right. Excellent idea. It would help to bring greater attention to Africa's tourism industry and bring in the best practice and help to develop um, the industry in Africa. But I think it's an excellent idea whose time has come. Okay. Obina, what are your last yeah. 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 words I, I in one minute? Yeah, I think the, the office is a, a good one for us, but just that some people from some quarter were saying, they have one in Saudi Arabia, and the one they're bringing to Africa is in Morocco, and these are all you know tilting towards the Arab world. So people are like, why shouldn't it shouldn't have been around the you know mainstream sub-Saharan African? You understand? So that we feel the impact the more. I love it as much as I love it, but I want I want the the government of UNWTO to be closer to us Africans. You understand? So right. for me, it's a good one for us, but but it should have been somewhere in sub-Saharan Africa. Okay. What are your parting shots, or if I may, what will be your uh, your outlook for twenty twenty four in terms of tourism in Africa? Um, I, as I said before, I think that we will continue to increase, or that's my hope, increase numbers, uh, and continue to. I think we're beyond the recovery conversation now. And now we need to talk about how we're going to evolve. Um, and I think you see that in a lot of the different destinations, whether it's the changes in leadership, changes in approaches. Uh, you know, I have an old marketing background. And so our tagline was always evolve or die. And I think that's the case within tourism as well. We constantly have to evolve. We have to watch the trends, understand how people are moving, what they're interested in, and make sure we're speaking to that. I think it's a tired story, but we have to make changes uh, as it pertains to you know visas and connectivities. It's the same story, but it's the story that matters. It shouldn't 
take 28 hours to get to, from Senegal to South Africa. You know, um, Africans, it should be easier for us to move within the continent. So I think those are key factors that have always been on the table. And I do see some changes happening. I think you see um, these collaborative efforts happening. And I do think that there will be um, an amplifier effect and uh, it will catch on fire. And I think we will see serious change due to that. Okay, thank you, Naladi, and wish you Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you too, Kojo.